So we would like to call uh, Christian to come up and share something that the Lord has been doing in his life lately. Oh, guys, how's it going? So recently, I've been having a real hard time with my health. I've been struggling. It's been making me depressed, angry, irrational, and mentally unstable at times. And I'm a Bible college student. I'm a tool wonder. I love to do ministry at times. It's blocking me from doing my ministry, from doing the Lord's work. But recently, I've been praying more and more. The Lord just said, even if you're feeling you can't go, just go. And when I do it, I just find strength I've never found before. I find strength to stand up when I couldn't even stand up. I found strength to breathe when I couldn't breathe. And I think back to Philippians 4.13 where Paul says, For I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He said this when he was in prison. He faced many struggles. As we all do today, but he faced them double. Because he was in prison, suffering for his faith. Doing the Lord's work the hardest situations, but he still found strength to do it. I want to encourage you all to know that the Lord will strengthen you. No matter what situation you're in, you will be able to find that strength to do the Lord's work. Lord, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for giving us strength each day to do your work, Lord. Thank you for giving us strength to pass through the day, Lord. I thank you that we are all here today, Lord, that we can be a family with you, Lord that we can have a relationship with you, Lord. I pray this in your name.
hope in Jesus. Can you just close your eyes with me? Right now, let's say, God, I put my hope in you, Lord. We put our hope in you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, God. Thank you, Lord, that you are strong, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are our defender, God, that you are our strength and we are weak. God, thank you, Lord, that we can come to you this afternoon. And when we call on your name, you are there. God, we believe it today. So, Lord, all over this room, God, I ask for faith, Lord. Faith, oh, God, as we lift our hands, as we sing these songs of faith to you, God, that, Lord, you would come and you would rock us, that you would change, oh, God, the way that we think, that you would, God, open up our eyes to see that you are strong, that you are with us, that you walk with us, Lord.
God, in any situation, Lord, we know that you're with us. There's no one higher than you, God. There's no one stronger than you, Jesus. But if you just have faith, if you need faith for a situation that you're walking through right now, I know some of us are waiting on jobs. We're waiting for family members to be saved. We're just waiting on God for an answer right now. If that's you, can you just raise your hands in faith right now and say, God, I believe that you're strong to carry me through. I believe, God, I have faith in your strength, in your power, in your wisdom. And I trust you today. I trust you today. Come on, can you say that with me? Say, I trust you, God. I trust you, Jesus. There's no one stronger than you. We rest in your hands.
worship you, O oh Lord, our God. How many of you guys are in love with Jesus today? Come on. I want us to do something special. Christian, really quick. I don't need this yet, okay? Just put it to the side really quick. I want us to keep pressing in this afternoon. I want to open up the mic. Jerry is going to turn this, uh, put, it, put it actually a little bit more forward. And I want us to go after Jesus this morning. As Rachel and the band keep praying, I mean keep playing, I, wanna, I want some bold people. How many bold people do I have in this place today? I want you to come up and I want you to pray a heart's cry of desperation of how much you love Jesus. And I want it to be an encouragement as we're living for God and we're going after Jesus and we're hungry. I want us to take that hunger and to bring it into our city. So as a church this morning, I want us to go after God and I want your prayers of desperation after Jesus to encourage somebody in this room today. So I'm gonna volunteer the first one. Come on up here, Marcella, and cry out to God. Tell him how hungry, how hungry you are for him. Come on. I want everybody's eyes closed all across this room. Lift up your hands. After every time somebody prays, we're going to sing Jesus. We're going to sing the chorus of that song. I want us to press in today. Amen. Lord, that, that you took me out of the place I was and you brought me here where I was supposed to be, God. I love you, Lord, and I just, I thank you so much for every person that you brought into my life that's spoken lives to me, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for my church, Lord, the people that love on me, Lord. Thank you for never forsaking me, Lord, and calling me out of my name, God. Thanking me out of, I mean, taking me out of that dark place where I once was, Lord. And bringing me to light, Lord, where I can rejoice, Lord. And I can say, I've never been this happy, Lord. And it's, it's all because of you, God. And I just thank you, God. I just love you. And I just ask, Lord, that the love that I have for you will never, never, um, you know, will never go away, Lord. I ask that you overfill my cup, Lord, and just let it overflow with your love, Lord. And I ask that for everyone in this room, Lord, to have a fire for you, Lord. That will never fade. In your name I pray. Hallelujah. Let's sing. Come on. to the mic and pray a prayer to God to, ex to express to the world how much you need Jesus. We don't come to church out of religiosity. We come to church expecting saints. We come experiencing God, the presence of God. Come on up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We want more of you, Jesus. We're pressing through today. We want to experience your great love. We're hungry for more. We're hungry for you to fill us. Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, for everything that you've done, the transformation of mind, 
Spirit, God, transforming us, taking us from the place where we were, God. We, many of us in here can remember where we were when you called us, God. We didn't even know that you really existed in a world that says you don't exist, in a world that says there is no God, in a world that says we have to sit and dig and beg and plead and fall to our knees and get nothing. You said you are right here. You come down to us. You give us power. You give us strength. Nothing like this world gives. You give like nothing in this world can give. Lord, we look and we turn and we see a nation falling apart, saying that it is greater, that we can be our own gods. But, God, we say you are a God, the only God, the God we serve, the God we come to, the God we run to, and the reason we have any bit of love in our hearts, period. We thank you, God, for what you've done in us, God, what you're doing in us. And we pray, Lord, every moment, God, that we, that we sing a song, God, that it is not about any, any, any song, that it is about complete surrender and love for you, God. Because this world is, will pass and, and just fade, and only your word will remain. We stand on you, Jesus, for every single thing. We come to you, Lord, for every single thought, every, every, every dream. Let it be your dream and not our dream, God. Let it be your heart and not our heart, God. And if that means we have to let it all go, we will let it all go today, today for you. In Jesus' mighty name. surrender let's raise up our hands your spirit's like water your spirit's like water oh god to our soul your word is a hallelujah jesus jesus we love you we love you lord hallelujah god we give you all the praise this morning we as your people, your sons and your daughters, oh God, we say we love you, Jesus. And we thank you what you've done for us on the cross, oh God. We thank you for resurrection life today. We thank you that we can come hungering and thirsting and you will fill us with righteousness, oh God. We thank you, Jesus, that we could come before your bold, before your throne of grace and boldness and with confidence and your presence is in us and your spirit gets poured out, oh God, and we get refreshed, oh God. And I pray that we would never forget that when we come, we come expecting that when we come and enter into your presence, oh God, things happen. Lives get changed and transformed. We don't have to walk out the same way that we walked in. So I ask, oh Lord, for you to do a new, a new thing. I ask for hungry, desperate hearts today, oh God, as we seek after you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We bless your name. Have your way in this service. As a preaching of the gospel comes forth, oh God, I pray that you change us, that you speak to our hearts, oh Lord, and that we walk out of here new, 
not the same. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this afternoon. We are excited to be here in the house of the Lord. You guys can all grab your seats. I'm going to preach the gospel to you today. The gospel message is good news for humanity because it's the message that Jesus came to, to rescue us, to save us. And if you are drowning in the ocean, what would your number one request be? To be rescued. And people who are not right with God, you're drowning in your sin and you have to be rescued. And the only lifesaver that we have is Jesus. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. This is a dialogue from the prodigal son, a son who left his father's house, squandered his father's wealth, wealth and lived a life of sin, and then finally comes back to his senses. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father sees him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And I want to let you know today that this message is for you. If you've never been born again or you did live for Jesus at one time and you turned your back on God, he's waiting for you to come back with arms open wide with a heart of compassion, ready to wrap you in his loving arms. The love of the Father is waiting for you. And so just like this prodigal son finally came back to his senses, that's what some of you have to do today, to allow your eyes to be opened, to see the state that you're truly in without God, that you are in a life of sin and death, and it will lead, it will lead to hell. There is no eternity in heaven apart from the blood of Jesus. So with all eyes closed, all across this room, I want you to take very seriously the words that are being preached today. The Bible said is that if you are not born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It didn't say that you had to be a certain religion. It didn't say you had to be a good person, that your good outweighs your bad. If you are not born again, made alive and new in your spirit through the breath of God, you will perish in hellfire. And so today is a day of repentance. Today is a day to be saved because God is waiting with arms open wide, not with judgment and condemnation, but with compassion and loving kindness. And as I begin to pray for you, I want you to come into agreement with my prayer if you want to get right with God today. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room who's playing games with you, who think they have it all together without you, and they could be their own maker, and they could be their own boss. I pray that today, oh God, they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and that they will make you Lord, and you boss, and you master of their life. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch them right now. Keep knocking of the door on their heart, and I pray that they would let you in. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Please stand up to your feet with me. At just, in just a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity for you guys to come and receive prayer from some altar workers here during the fellowship time. I really want to encourage you to come and receive prayer. 
If you have questions about living for God or you want to find out how to get plugged into the church and start discipleship, they will help you. Amen. On the count of three, we're going to confess a confession of faith together. This is our Christian worldview, and that's why we recite it every week together out loud as a church. So if you're with me, let's do it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus, punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Clap it up for Jesus. Spend some time greeting and meeting some new people this afternoon.
Who's excited they came to church today? Come on, look to your neighbor, say it's good to have you here. Tell them you better come back next week. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. On behalf of the leaders and the pastors, we just thank you for joining us for our 1 p.m. service. Our service is here our every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service, so we have King's Kids in the back for children, infants to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for students 11 to 18 years old, and that's our Elevate Youth Service, and God's doing amazing things there. So if you're in that age group or know anybody in that age group, please invite them to be a part of our youth service on Friday nights. Next week, we have Worship Sunday with Brandon Halt. I don't know if you guys are excited, but I am so pumped. May 22nd, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. for both services next Sunday. He's going to come. He's going to bless us, leading us into worship, and also preaching and teaching about worship and our experience with God and getting to that next level as we seek his face. And so we're really pumped about it. If you were here last month when he visited, you're going to be in for a treat again. And if you missed it, this is your opportunity to come and experience um, this service and invite your friends and family to come on out and be with us next Sunday. We also have the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. Come on, who's excited to tell people about Jesus? Saturday, June 18th at 9 a.m., we're going to be meeting here at the church, prepping, getting everything ready, going after God, and then hitting the streets at a humble park for the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. So we want you guys to mark it in your calendar. It's still a ways away where you could get off of work and you could trust God for the increase when you take off that time that he's going to give you double for, for missing uh, and taking off that day. So we, we want you guys to really take this serious. It's the once, once annual time where we get to go out as a church together as one and street witness together. So it's a huge opportunity for you to be used of God and see what he does on the streets and what he could do in you and through you. So we want to uh, give you guys a little treat of this video in preparation for that outreach. Um, my name is Daryl. Uh, it's my wife, Catherine. Uh, we've been evangelizing for about two to three months now. I believe that my experience has been, uh, at first it started a little rocky. Uh, I had some some minor reluctancy to, to, to speak to people. I was a little shy at first, but then uh, after my second or third time, I believe uh, God was strengthening me uh, because uh, of the gospel. So my preaching to people and my witnessing to people um, strengthened my faith. And, uh, and it encouraged me to become uh, stronger in my faith. And so I was be able, being able to speak more boldly after that. Um, uh, I've seen people get saved. Um, we've prayed for dozens of people. And uh, I believe that God is working uh, through our ministry uh, in evangelism on Saturdays. Amen. So we want to encourage anyone and everyone, you know, who hasn't gone out, shared their faith, who hasn't gone out and preached the Word of God, to come out Saturdays, to come out to the Puerto Rican Outreach and share your faith. Nothing will refresh you like refreshing others with the love of God, with your faith, with what Jesus did for us. So I encourage everyone to come out, come and refresh others, and you yourself be refreshed. Amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus. So join us, be encouraged to come on out and share your faith with God, uh, share your faith with people about the Lord. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. How many lovers of God and lovers of people do I have today? Come on. 
Our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you to our life groups. We have awesome life groups throughout the month that meet together and will meet the needs of you and your family so you can feel connected and build those relationships and friendships in the church. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism so that you can reach others with the love of Jesus. And, we, and our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Look to your neighbor say, it's time to get connected. The way we want to connect you, again, is through our life groups. If you turn your handout around, you'll see this quarterly schedule of what's happening. And I just really want to encourage you, take a look at it. There's so many different kinds of life groups to become a part of. Choose one to be faithful to with you and your family. Kicking it off today, we have Sunday, our marriage life group. Come on, married folks. Let me get a what, what? Child care will be provided. It's today here at the church at 5 p.m. It's all about love and intimacy, and we all know we need that in our marriages. So come and be blessed. Make that a priority. Whatever you put into your marriage is what you'll reap out of it. So join us today. Tuesday, we have the Resistance Youth Life Group, 11 to 18 years old. They meet at the church at 6 p.m. Wednesday, it's our other Elevate Life Group, Righteously Redeemed, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. at that address. Wednesday, every week, is our King's Kids Life Group, Infant to 11 years old, 6.30 at the church, Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club. It's an awesome time for our children to get into the Word, learn their uh, pledges and songs, and just really get to know Jesus. Thursday, every week, we have our gang outreach ministry that hits the streets. You have to be 18 years and up to join them. They meet at 7 p.m. How many of you guys know our gangs need Jesus? It's all of our young people on the streets. They need to hear the gospel. And so they're they're getting in there into the dangerous parts of our city and, and shining the light of Jesus in the darkness. And then every Friday we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivid's house. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. If you're an adult, you got to be there. You have got to be there. Bring, bring a friend. Make it a habit in your life. You will be blessed. And Saturday, the Ambassadors Elevate Life Group is meeting 11 to 18 years old, 1 p.m. here at the church. God is doing it. So get connected. All this just this week. So there's so much to do throughout the week. No excuses to be bored, okay? Being bored as a Christian is not an excuse to not be a Christian. There's so much to do for God. Somebody say mentor. We have 101 and 201. The 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders that will take you through that book one-on-one -on -one and encourage you and challenge you to live for God. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where you will be trained to one day be a deacon and an elder in the church, basically just a leader that's going to keep winning souls and making disciples and do for others what was done for you. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism. We hit the streets every Saturday from 5 to 8. If you want to be trained to do it, these are the people that you want to be with, especially before the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. Get out there, be excited, be confident that God is going to use you to preach the gospel because we're all commanded to go. Somebody say go. So in recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision to love God and love people, strategy to connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Somebody say hallelujah. Praise God. He is good. He is faithful all the time. Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings to the Lord today? Come on, we're going to get into our 
giving lesson, but before I do, I just want to let you know that MPI believes that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church, and anything above your tithe is an offering to the Lord, and God wants our offerings to be uh, from a heart of generosity, and we designate that towards missions and towards our building fund. Whatever building fund we're in currently, I'll give you an, another announcement about that, but we love the mission field. We love to sow seed into other nations and see what God can do through us to, to meet other people's needs, and we love to take care of, of God's house here in Chicago and see what we can do to bring him glory as well. So let's get into our lesson today. It's from the Disciples Giving book. We're on section two, lesson six, generous offerings take generosity. The definition of an offering is a gift to God after our tithes. I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 9, 11. 2 Corinthians 9, 11. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So as God enriches us, we'll be able to be generous all the time. And through that generosity, people will give thanks to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Here are three main points for us to keep pulling out of this passage of Scripture. Number one, enriched. It is God's desire to enrich you so you can be rich in giving. God's blessings are to go to you and then through you. So as God blesses us, we're not supposed to be hoarders. Have you ever watched that show? It gets gross. So if you do that, you're going to become gross, okay? So whatever God enriches you, let it be poured out through your hands so that others can keep getting blessed and give God thanksgiving. Number two, be generous on every occasion. How can we be generous on every occasion? By sacrificing and always giving our best. Every time we give our best to God, it is considered a sacrifice because we could have spent the money on something we personally wanted. So sometimes giving to God might sting a little bit because a sacrifice doesn't really feel good. If you're going to sacrifice something, it means it's going to die, don't you think? So sometimes giving to the Lord is a sacrifice because you really want something. But if God is trying to teach you to put his kingdom first, it's like, okay, ladies, those pair of shoes might be able to wait. If God is putting it on your heart to give to the Lord. They get a here, here, if you love to shop. Number three, thanksgiving to God. When we give generously and sacrificially to God, he is pleased with our offering. Also, the people we bless as a result of our offerings will give thanks to God for receiving what they need. For example, when you give to the missions offering, the people will be extremely thankful to God for your help and support. And just a really quick example, just last month, we had our missionaries that are going out to the Congo. If you remember them being here, they're flying the planes. They're having their third baby. They put up a request if anybody had a bassinet and a swing to give away. Right away, we get on there and we said, Metro Praise is going to get that for you. That's because of your generosity. That's because you guys give. That goes straight to supply the needs of the people on the mission field. Amen. In summary, true generosity and offerings come from a heart of sacrifice because you could have spent the money on yourself. So let's apply this three ways. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, sacrifice your wants and desires to give generous offerings. And number three, thank God for the chance to give and help others. It is an honor and a privilege. If that gets you excited and you love giving to the Lord to bless his people, let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. 
We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings this afternoon. Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income given regularly to the church. We designate our offerings towards missions and building. And on the envelope, you can see the different categories. And you could put the specific amount you want to go towards each location there. Here are four, four ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time here at the front. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Jerry if you have any questions for that. And number four, you could, either, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. This is our building fund for the rest of the year. We thank you guys so much for joining us in the beginning of the year. God has met that need. And now for the rest of 2016, we are going to have a soul-winning summer. Who gets excited about that? Come on. Soul winning summer. Each of those dates that you see right there are Sundays where we want to blow it up, make it very evangelistic, outreaching to the community, and inviting our friends and family to come and be blessed. Brandon Halt will be here with us leading the team. Uh, leading with the team in worship and just really being a blessing in all that God is doing in our efforts to win souls and reap a harvest in this season. So this is what we want you to do for the rest of the year, hopefully just through October, as we keep pushing through. We want you to pray, to partner, to give. So whatever amount God tells you to do, you be faithful to that amount because this is an offering. This is after the tithe, and it has to be something that you do with a cheerful heart. And we are going to be changing Chicago and the world one soul at a time. So join us for the rest of this year for this building fund and as we win souls together. Let's recite this verse. Philippians 4.18, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you want to bless us. You want to enrich us in every way so that we could be a blessing to other people. And I pray that whatever you pour in our hands, God, that we would be able to pour out through our hands to be a blessing to reach others, God, so that they in turn can give thanksgiving to you because you met their need through us. I ask you bless the gift and the giver today. Bless and prosper your people. Give them increases and raises as they remain faithful to the tithe, uh, generous in their offering. God, I pray that you meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus and use us, oh God, to uh, reach the nations of the earth with the gospel message of salvation. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Please come forward as you give, and we thank you so much for your generosity. How many are ready for a special baby dedication today? We have Nathaniel 
James Vivit. Come on up, Vivits. Let's give them a hand clap as they come. Amen. I know I got the Vivit corner over there. Their friends and family are here today. Uh, you know, Jerry and Tony have been so faithful to the church and to the Lord. And a lot of what God is doing here in the second service is because of their faithfulness. And I just want to say thank you for that. And uh, this young guy right here, he's just the cutest. Look at you. I love it when they dress you up like a little man. Do you want to say anything, my little man? You know, it, uh, it's such a blessing to have children. My wife and I just keep having them. So we're on number five, and you guys are starting with number one. And what a better, I mean, there's no better way than this right now than to have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful boy. And what do you call his nationality? Awasian. Awasian. Gringo and Filipino, which is beautiful mixture, a beautiful mixture. And let me just share a scripture with you, and as well, I'll give you the certificate as she's taking pictures, and we'll take some more here in a minute. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles, those of you who have it, to the book of Mark, where the Bible teaches us why we do this, why do we dedicate children. Mark chapter 10, verse 14. Look there with me, and we're going to then pray for Nathaniel James Vivid. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 14, when Jesus saw this, uh, talking about people not wanting the children to come to him, he was indignant. He got upset, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. These little ones belong in the kingdom. Now, can you imagine people wanting to have Jesus touch their kids? I mean, that's what a parent would want. That's what I would want. And then now, can you imagine people saying, No, no. And it wasn't like this was the devil telling the people no. It was disciples, the Christian, you know, around the, the you know, Jesus. They were like, no, 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 no. And I don't know how they could say no to this guy. This, this guy would get a VIP pass, right to, right to Mr. Jesus and sit right on his lap. But they were trying to stop the kids from coming. And the Bible says that Jesus then says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Might I do that in honor of the Lord today? Can I do that? Father, we thank you today for uh, baby Nathaniel. We thank you, Lord, that he is a wonderful, healthy, beautiful little boy and uh, will grow up to be handsome and strong and to accomplish all that you've called him to do. And so, Lord, during this time right now, we pray that uh, he will continue to grow strong and whatever is with his hearing, O oh Lord, and his ears will be totally healed, Father God, and will not hinder him in any way. And then, Lord, we also pray for Mom and Dad, Jerry and Tony, who just love you so much and have dedicated their lives to you, that you will bless them, that you will bless their finances as they provide for him, bless them with wisdom as they continue to teach him. And may he grow up, God, in a godly family. And for generations to come, may his children's children remember what was done on days like today, him being dedicated to you. And uh, when he's old, he'll never depart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give it up for the Vivids today. Amen. Amen. Why don't you guys come stand here, right here. 
And then we're going to put on some party music. Joby, do you know how to do that? Joby's going to put on some party music. And let's all stand up. We're kind of a smaller service in the second service. So why don't you guys come and greet them and welcome Nathaniel to our church and into our lives. Come on now. God good. Okay, open up your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 3. Everybody go to Colossians chapter 3. Baby dedications are the best. How many love babies? How many, how many, let's be honest, how many love making babies? Amen, amen. Would you help him back there, please? Thank you. Uh, we're getting our new software back here. We're real excited about all this. Thank you. And uh, go to uh, Colossians chapter 3. I'll tell you what, tonight, married couples, you want to be at the uh, marriage life group because it's going to be awesome. It's about intimacy. I'm going to make sure to take a lot of notes and then go home and practice and do my homework, okay? Because there ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind. When you're married, ain't nothing wrong. Now, don't you single people be getting jelly. Don't you single people be getting jelly. Y'all need to get your man or woman of God because I got mine. And she fine. Amen. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Amen. Oh, no, I'm about ready to sing another song and then the, in my mind. And then the Lord said, don't you sing that other song. But there's another one right on that line that I could have gone with. But let's get to the word. Everybody say the image of God. 
Thank you. I'm so glad to see our visitors here today, whether you came for the baby dedication or it's your first time here. It's our second service. We went to this about a year ago for Easter in 2015, and over this uh, last year or so, God's been blessing it. Some of you have been making this your service. We really appreciate it. And the church has been growing just leaps and bounds. Uh, Friday, they set a record for the youth. No event, no outreach. Just on a normal night, they had 75 young people. Let's give it up for Elevate. Amen. And uh, right now, the church is just growing and expanding at the Boricua Fest. We probably already have around 138 registered to go, another 100 interested. It may be our 200 year to finally hit 200. God is able, okay? I want you guys just to be in prayer about that. If you see the Puerto Rican stuff on Facebook, make sure you share it with your friends. We want you guys to be there. It's going to be awesome. And then Big BZ, my man Bri uh, Brandon, is going to be here next week. And I want you guys to pack it out, bring your friends, because he's He's not only going to be singing, he's also going to be preaching on worship. And I want all of us to really learn the heart of worship and how to get closer to God. Are you with me in Colossians chapter 3? Come on, if you're there, say I'm there. If you're going to talk today, somebody say, I'm going to help you, Pastor. Okay, I'm a few. Thank you, thank you. We missed you last week, by the way. Glad you came back. Welcome back to the Frozen Chosen here. Amen. It, she was in Miami, and it was what, about 80? Yeah, 80 degrees, and it was like 30 here. It's okay. We still love Jesus. Uh, we're trying. We're the frozen chosen. That's what we are. Uh, but no, you know, it's it's good that we could take vacations, and I'll be in the Keys. I'll be in Key West with my partners right there. We're going next week, right? We're going next week. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And you know I'm going to get burnt. The gringo is going to get burnt. All y'all going to be all tan. I'm going to be burnt. But uh, Nancy and I will be burnt, but we'll see. She'll put some lotion on me. Just take care of me. I don't know where I'm at today, but I'm just having fun. <laughs> Second service, life group on marriage and intimacy. It's all coming together right now. Okay, you in Colossians, somebody say I'm there. If not, thank you. Just follow along on the screen. We're talking about the image of God part two today. Here it is. Paul is preaching to us. He's writing this to us. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ appears, who is your life, when he appears, you then will appear with him in glory. And I want everybody to look up, up, up here, please. Look back up with me here. You see, this whole entire time after Easter, we've been in a sermon ser series called Spiritual Growth. You can go back online and get all the notes and videos and all that. And the real idea is, is God wants us to grow up. God wants our lives to change. He wants new characteristics to be on the inside of us. And we've been going through the Second Peter passage since the very beginning, since you know the week after Easter. And now I want you to see this passage from Colossians and how it addresses spiritual growth. And when it starts off here, what it does, uh, can you bring it back up for me, please, is what it does is he says, since then, since then you have been raised with Christ, now set your thing, your mind on things above. Thank you, sir. Uh, set your mind on things above. I, I got it. Go ahead. Uh, set your mind on things above. And so the idea is since your life has been changed, you now can live a different life. A lot of times people are trying to change their own life, and they keep getting stuck, and they can't figure it out. But God is here to say to you, I change you. I make you new. I do all the work, and then I let you be my workmanship. And I think that's where a lot of us are getting confused. Can you help them back there? Is that some of us want to do, do, do to make ourselves new, and then all we have left is a bunch of what? 
do, do. That's all we have left. So think about this. If you think you're going to change yourself, all you're going to do is make yourself a mess. You won't become a self-made success. Thank you. You'll become a self-made mess. Now look at what Colossians is saying here. What he's saying is that since you then have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. So what happens first? What happens first? Does my identity change first or does my maturity change first? What happens first? Identity changes. I become a Christian first so I can act like a Christian. Some of you think I'm going to act like a Christian and then I'll be a Christian. As if God is setting before you ten steps and he goes, okay, you do step one, you're getting closer. Step two, you're getting closer. And then at the end, ding, 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 step ten, accomplished, you become a Christian. That's not how it works. The behavioral changes come after the identity changes. So what comes first? Doing or being? What comes first? Being. I be a Christian. Now I can do what Christians do. Listen again to what Paul says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So you are literally a dead person walking. So what is dead? Your old life. What is alive? The new life. And that's what Paul is teaching us. Now he says in verse 4, when Christ appears, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Because right now, you look no different than people going to hell. If you're a Christian, you look no different than people going to hell. If we have me and a dude going to hell and take a picture of us, we all look the same. I have eyes, he has eyes, we have ears, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we have mouths, you know, if we're all healthy, as an example, we're all going to look the same. But on the inside, he is dead. He will perish eternally in hell. He will be cast out from the presence of God. And I love what C.S. Lewis says. On Judgment Day, C.S. Lewis, the author of The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the series that, the movies that came out of that later, and he was friends with J.R.R. Tolkien, who did The Lord of the Rings and um, The Hobbit. They were Christian authors using art as an expression of, uh, you know, God's kingdom and good versus evil. What C.S. Lewis says, that on Judgment Day, the sinner will look more hideous to you than any horrific picture you could think here on earth. You will see them for the absolute filth that they were in the presence of God. The light will turn on, and you will see the cockroach for what it is. That's who we all were, by the way. And then he says the saint, or this person here, being glorified in the presence of God will be more glorious than any angel or anything you've ever seen. Literally, angels are lesser than us. We were made in the presence of, uh, in the image of God. Angels were not. And so you have to understand that though on the outside it doesn't look like there has been a transformation, on the inside you have literally been given a new life in the image of Christ, and that is glorious. And now you consider your old ways, your past, dead. So you step out of your past. You get past your past and step into your future, and you live the life that God has for you to live. Now look at verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's your flesh. That's whatever this body desires, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. 
See, we still have idols today. They just don't look like Buddha, Krishna, Vishnu. Our idols look like NFL superstars, you know, baseball players. Our idols look like Lady Gaga, Miley Cyrus, Lil Wayne. Uh, our our uh, idols look like Donald Trump, you know, Hillary Clinton making idols out of Bernie Sanders, politicians. Whatever you put in front of God becomes your idol. So if God says, worship me and worship me alone, and then you say, God, yeah, but I also want to do what Oprah says, and I also want to live like the Kardashians, and I also want to do what Caitlyn Jenner did and, and, and uh, um, modify my body into be another gender. All of that becomes self-worship. It becomes idolatry. It becomes worship other than God. True worship to God is obedience to commands. Whatever you obey is what you really worship. So if you're obeying Oprah, that's really what you're worshiping. It's not that people outside in the world don't worship something. So they may say to you like, oh, you guys worship God. You guys are so crazy. No, no, no. We all worship something. I just worship the creator. You worship the creation. I think I should have gotten an amen. I think so. But since it didn't, I'm going to now preach a little bit on that in the introduction. Go with me to Romans chapter 1. Let me show you what that looks like. Romans chapter 1 will show you that today people are worshiping the creation more than the creator. And because of that, the judgments of God are on them. Let me just show you that quickly. This is also the passage which talks about homosexuality and lesbianism. It talks about the lifestyle of lesbianism and homosexuality is birthed out of a denial of God. So let us be honest. I have a lot of friends and people in this church who have come out of that lifestyle. But you have to understand, the choice is not a choice of sexuality. It's a choice of who your God is going to be. If God is your God, then he has created you and in his image, and you have to live it out his way. And that's not just towards homosexuality and lesbian. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to sin and have multiple sex partners, I want to do that, you're sinning against your creator as well because God created you to be with one man or one woman. Can I hear an Amen. Now look at this right here. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their, they suppress the truth by their wickedness. See, think about this. Everyone honestly knows right and wrong, whether they live like it or not. The Bible says that he has given them a conscience and the light is within them. So if they don't live right, no one will be without an excuse because it's literally them suppressing the knowledge of God. How do they know that God exists and that they have to obey God? Listen, verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, in qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Now I want you to understand this. Everybody look up at me please. Everyone here is without excuse to whether or not you obey God because you have a conscience and you have common sense in that conscience. So just think about this. Have you ever seen nothing make something? In all of your life experience, have you ever seen nothing make something? What is nothing to begin with, right? Can you take nothing and give it to your friend? Nothing is literally the absence of a thing, no thing. So already all of us creatures of God's creation already know that it's impossible for something to create, of uh, nothing to create something. So we are already convicted that we have a creator. Now somebody may say, well, I know a big bang can do it. And then we ask them who banged it, right? Have you ever seen nothing bang something? Have you ever seen nothing bang something? So whatever banged, it couldn't have come from nothing. It couldn't have come from nothing. It had to come from something. And so the idea is now we know there's a creator. What else do we know? We know there's a moral law. 
When you go on the bus, let's say today you just went on the bus right after this service and you may meet the the most non-Christian, they don't believe in God, maybe they're an atheist, whatever. Guess what? If you stepped on their toe, what are they going to expect from you? They're going to expect from you an apology, right? Like, oh, excuse me, I shouldn't have stepped on your toe. They're not going to be like, keep stepping on my toe. I don't care what their religion is, right? But here's the deal. Why do they have a value system that says you should apologize for stepping on their toe? Because if there is no God, according to their worldview, we're just mild molecules in motion. It doesn't matter what I do with your toe. If I get hungry enough, I could eat it if I want, right? Because if there is no God, then there is no morality. So the very fact that they're holding you to something that you ought to do for them, even though they don't believe in a God, shows you that they already have a conscience. And this goes on to every place you can imagine. One of my friends in New Orleans, his name was Big Swole. You can look him up. He was a professional wrestler, football player, and became the bodyguard of Master P. And I spent some time with him. And guess what Big Swole told me? The first thing Master P did when he made money is get his family right out the Kalio projects. And the first thing, the second thing he did after that is put his kids in a private school. As a matter of fact, Big Swole told me that his son was, uh, the way he raised his children was so strict that they went to private school that they couldn't watch any of those rap videos or do any of those things. But you see, when Master P and No Limit wanted to go into the Kalio projects, is that how they then treated the children there? Of course not. You see, they wanted to pump that garbage and that mentality to all these other people. But when it came to their house, they lived in California, went to private schools, and had their children tutored. And so what does that show you? He knew a standard. He just didn't want to follow it with your kids. He wanted to follow it with his kids. Oh, criminals even know that standard too. Oh, they'll talk about stealing. They'll talk about doing all of that. But don't steal from a criminal, right? They'll talk about breaking the law. But don't break the laws of their gang, right? Gangs break laws all the time. But violate one of their rules and then you'll see the problem. So what we now see, everybody say creation and conscience. See, creation and conscience takes away all the excuse of humanity. Now, don't forget about the worship of the creation rather than the creator because here we get to verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. What did they become? And what does Mr. T do? He pities the fool. He pities the fool. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. So go back to what I was just sharing with you guys. And then he says here, then God gave them over to, uh, let me just say this before I go back to why I came here. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity with one another, degrading of their bodies with the one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even women exchanged their natural relations for unnatural ones, okay? Now go back to this where I was talking about here in Colossians. What you will now see here in Colossians is that when you are born again, you are now to live for your creator. If you are not born again, you are by nature an object of wrath, a human being of a depraved mind, a serpentine will from the serpent of the garden. And you, my friend, are a worshiper just like me, but the difference is you worship the creation, I worship the creator. So everybody loves 
everybody worships and everybody expects something to be done right or a code to be followed. The question is whether or not, my friends, you do that unto God for the eternal life that he has prepared for you or you do that unto the creation for damnation. And I hope that you choose to serve Christ. Can I get back to this? Is everybody following me? I hope to hear some more amens. Otherwise, it may be a longer sermon. Amen. I already just took a 20-minute detour. We'll see where the next detour leads. I'm expecting to hear an amen from you too, young lady. Thank you. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And we're all supposed to say amen because it's not about the creation. It's about the creator. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. What is idolatry? Anything you place before God, worshiping the creation rather than worshiping the creator. There was our sidetrack. Now go to verse 6. Because of these, the wrath of God is. Now if you believe this Bible, you must believe there's a wrath to come. You must believe it if you believe the Bible. If you don't believe in a wrath to come, you can't believe this Bible. Let's just be honest. You can believe somebody else's book. You could read Cat in the Hat and say, that's my religious book. But I'm not talking about being a make-believer. I'm talking about being a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. Because you can make-believe up anything. You know, you can make-believe and, and, and say there's Avengers out there somewhere. But here's the truth. The bottom line is if Jesus is who he said he is, if he raised from the dead, if the gospel is true, the wrath of God is coming upon this earth. That's why you better not be doing those things. So now there's a problem, isn't there? Because a lot of us have done these things. Look at verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Look at your neighbor and say, I, I know you used to walk in these things. Come on, tell your neighbor. Come on, don't be shy. Come on, tell your neighbor. I know you used to do these things. Now some of you, oh, I didn't do these things. What, you never lusted? You want to honestly tell me you're in this church and you never lusted? Oh, you want to tell me you're in this church and you've never been greedy? Oh, let me just look at your tax return from last year and see if you even gave God a tenth of what he gave you. Hello? You say, oh, no, I don't have any evil desires. Oh, so you forgive your enemies? You're not begrudged against anybody right now? You're not having an offense? You may be offended with me right now, you little evil stinking mind. Come on, be real. See, we all used to live this way. That whether you were out pimping and hustling or whether you were just secretly sinning, it doesn't matter. All of us have lived this way. All of us. From the sweetest grandma that you know has lived this way. Her little heart's been evil too. Her little sweetheart's been greedy too. If grandma don't get Jesus, the wrath of God is coming on her. You may say, well, pastors do it too. Absolutely. If pastors don't put to death these things, hell and wrath is coming for them as well. That's right. You, you don't think it applies to me? Let's not fool ourselves. It applies to me even more than it applies to you. It says take heed when you teach. Take heed because us teachers will be judged more severely. Now it says you used to walk, uh, walk in these ways in the life you once lived. How many have been born again and can say that's your old you? Amen. You've been new, made, created anew in the image of God. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as what? Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. See, has anybody here not done those things? Let's be honest. Yes, you have. You've gotten angry. You've gotten rageful. I grew up with my mother. She loved me more than anybody else loved me. But there were times she would get so rageful, she would slap me out of anger. She would tear up my things in my, my room out of anger. One time she tried to throw my TV at me out of anger. And I felt so bad for her, I actually walked over and I said, you want me to pick it up for you? Because I was a young man and I got her really mad. I was doing dumb things. And she was just like, and you don't appreciate anything in this house. And she was trying to pick up the TV. And I'll be honest with you, I felt so bad. I said, Mom, you want me to throw it for you? 
I'll just pick it up and throw it for you, stupid TV. All of us, if I saw my mom get mad, I know you get mad. Mothers, come on. Don't you act like you don't get mad with your children. I know Nancy's probably the nicest person I know in this building right now. Nice Nancy is what I call her. And all it takes is my four kids with nice Nancy for about four hours. And all of a sudden, I can hear nice Nancy from the basement because we homeschool. I can hear her from the basement all the way up top. And that's where some of your filthy language comes from. You cuss out your children. Come on, parents. Don't act like you can't be real with this. We have all sinned this way. We have all been this way. Now, here's the deal. What image do you want to be moving forward? Do you want to be an old image, the Adamic image, the image from Adam, or do you want to be the image of Christ? Do you want to be like him? Now, look at verse 9 because this is where it gets really good. And look at your neighbor and say, this is the intro to the intro. Seriously, I got four charts to go through, five takeaways, and I got to read a few paragraphs. This is not even to the introduction yet. I was just supposed to read the scripture. It's, I haven't even, I'm just, it's, come on. Y'all ready for this? I don't even want to take any more time of telling you what I got to do, but it's going to be a lot. And y'all going to be here for a while. Amen? We love church. Come on, look at this. Do not lie to each other. Watch this. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the what? The new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. See, there you go. See, that's why Paul's saying this. Paul is saying, if you're a Christian, this has actually already happened. What he's trying to tell you is to live like it now. Your identity came first. Your being came first. The salvation came first. Now you can do these things. And now you change your mind, you will change your behavior. When your mindset changes, you will reflect the image of God more. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all. Everybody say, Christ is all. And somebody say, he is in all. See, he's in me the same way he's in you. So the same way he was in Peter is the same way he's in me. He's the same way he's in you. And he's saying to all of us, if we are truly born again, he's saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my people. Take off the old, put on the new, be renewed in your mind, and reflect my image. Be like Jesus. Amen? Therefore, as God's chosen people, how many people are God's chosen people? Has God chosen you? Did he pick you to be on his team? That's what the cross says. God so loved the world. He picked the world to be on his team. But the way of destruction is, is wide. The way to the path of righteousness is narrow. So you choose back. He chose you, but do you choose back, right? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. How many need to put that on today? I double-dog dare a husband and wife to look at each other and say, put it on, baby, put it on. Don't be, you know, I can imagine a wife saying, don't you dare look at me and say, put on patience. Don't you tell me, you will have no lunch when you get home. Hello. But you better keep it real, married people. Put on patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Do you forgive as the Lord forgave you? See, that's what Christians are called to do. It may not come easy, but that's what's going to bring us joy in this world. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now look at this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. L listen to that word, let. Let. Do you let somebody in? If you, you know, you, you choose. If you let somebody in, you, you, you can let them stay outside and be cold, or you can let them in. Are you letting Jesus' peace in? Or are you letting Jesus' peace be outside? And letting cray-cray in. 
You know, like, I'm going to let in Mrs. Cray Cray today, and Jesus, you're going to stay outside a little bit. Or are you saying, Mr. or Mrs. Cray Cray, you stay outside on the porch, Jesus, come on in. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Everybody say, be thankful. Thank you. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. It doesn't matter the tone when you sing. We're all commanded to sing for God and with our heart. And by the way, that's why music is universal. Think about that. Have you ever met somebody that said, I don't like music? Music is a universal language of worship. It's just what are we worshiping? Are we worshiping Rihanna to the song about her body, or are we worshiping Jesus about his love, grace, mercy, and peace, right? And whatever you do, do it, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, everybody look up here, please, and think about what Paul is doing as he's making a point with an introduction, a body, a main point, and then a conclusion. When you see what he does right here, at the very beginning, he starts off with what I like to call the first bun. So think of introduction, meat, and conclusion being the bun, the meat, and then the bottom bun. Here at the beginning, he says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. So that's where he starts. That's that top bun. He's like, hey, if you're a Christian, it's time to start acting like one. It's time to put your mind on that, your heart on that, and start doing what God called you to do. You can do this. You've been changed. Then he continues on to explain what that means. And he uses the analogy of putting to death or taking off and putting on the good things. And then right here is the meat of the verse. And then he says, you've put on this new self, and it's renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. When you renew something, what does that mean? You bring it back to new. When you rewind something, you bring it back to the beginning. When you return something, you bring it back to where it once was. The mind is made new at salvation. It's a new self. You have put it on. But you don't always act like how you're supposed to act. So what do you have to do? Renew your mind. Or another way of we would say it, remember who you are. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody, they cross the line, and then you say back to them a little sassy, have you forgot who I am? Have you ever said that? Or are you all just perfect here today? Like you ain't never made a mistake like that. Let's be honest. Christ perfects us, but we don't always act perfect. Come on. You may not use that lingo, but have you said something like that? Oh, you don't know who I am. What you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to show you how stupid I can really be. That's really what you're saying. You don't know how dumb I can get up in this thing. Okay? And stop yourself. You don't want the stupid to come out. Stupid is as stupid does. But this is what you need to say to the devil. When the devil says, oh, I'm going to remind you of your past. I'm going to tell you all these wicked things that are going to tempt you. You need to say, devil, you don't know who I am. You must have forgot who I am. I am who God said I am. I can do what God said I can do. God has changed my heart. When your own mind tempts you, because the devil can tempt you and you can tempt yourself, when that temptation comes in of depression, despair, anger, resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, to be jealous of what someone else has, you need to tell yourself, self, you forgot who you are. Self, you're not that anymore. You are who God said you are. And so he starts off with that top bun of, you know, remembering that you've been raised with Christ, set in your hearts on Christ. And then he gets here to the meat where he says, you know, you put on that new self, which is renewed in the image of its creator. And then he ends with the bottom bun, which is basically summarizing everything he's been saying. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for God in word or deed. So should there ever be a time that we don't do things for God? 
No, if we're making babies, we're making babies in what? For God, in, in Christ's name. If I'm, if I'm a, a policeman and I'm arresting people, I'm doing that in Christ's name, amen? Everything I do, if I'm eating, I'm eating unto God. If I'm celebrating, I'm celebrating unto God. If I'm mourning, I'm mourning unto God. I always tell that with people mourning. Mourn as long as the Lord gives you peace to mourn because your mourning can, can turn into depression and despair. Everything you do in the bad days, the good days, do it as unto the Lord. Now, I want you to understand some things that uh, uh, Paul is saying here. In chapter 3, Paul is now giving the climax and the application of all the previous points he's made in the book. Because obviously, there's chapters 1 and 2 before chapter 3, and I didn't have time to read them. What he's doing is he's setting the foundation in chapters 1 and 2 concerning Christ and you and the sinful nature being cut off. He literally says that your old man has been circumcised. And if anybody knows what it means to be circumcised, it's literally cutting off of the foreskin. And he says in this same book, you have been circumcised of the heart. Your heart has been changed. And then he gives you now the practical guides to the new life. And this new life is based in the image of Christ, the very reason why he gave you life. And it's for the purpose of reflecting him. Think about this from the inside out. Everybody get that? From the inside out, I'm reflecting Christ. See, my body may remain the same, and actually this body's going to die, but from the heart, I change my actions. From my mind, I change my words. From the inner man, I change what you see as the outer man. That's why we're to judge one another, and the Bible says to judge each other by our fruits. So this, this whole idea of judge not lest you be judged, listen to the whole context there. It says, just judge not lest you be judged. For the same measure that you judge, you will be judged. And what that means is I can't judge you by a standard that I made up. The Jewish people were making up laws that were not in the Bible and then would judge those who wouldn't keep them. So imagine if I had a law here that said every woman had to have short hair, just to make it weird, right? Just short hair instead of long hair like some groups say. So let's say, women, you got to have your, your hair always shorter than your cheekbone. Now, you walk in here today and you don't even know about that, right? But I immediately start judging. I'm like, look at you. You got long hair. You got long hair. You got long hair. You're all going to hell. What the Jewish people were doing at this time was very much the same thing. They were making up laws that you could not even find in the Bible, and then they were making it as a judgment upon others. So then that's why Jesus said, hey, guys. This measure that you're judging, you should not do because then you can be judged by that same measure, which is a false judgment. So if you don't want to be judged falsely, like Jewish person, if you don't want to show up to heaven and then Jesus go, hey, uh, by the way, you were supposed to be vegetarians, but you weren't, eh, you're going to hell. If you don't want Jesus to change the standard on you, don't change the standard on others. But the Bible does say judge them by their fruits or you will know them by their fruits. And the Bible also says make a righteous judgment. So you are to judge me by this criteria. Do I reflect Jesus? I am to judge you by this criteria. Do your words reflect Jesus? Does your attitude reflect Jesus? So let's say I hear you cursing and I go, you shouldn't curse. You can't say back to me, well, don't judge me. Nobody's perfect. I'm supposed to say the Bible says not to have filthy language. It's not my standard. It's his standard. Now, as a person bringing that to your attention, I should be living by that. One of my biggest pet peeves is when I'm in an argument with somebody, and they go, you're supposed to be a pastor, you're supposed to be this. Well, you're not even a Christian, you don't even know the Bible, so shut up, because what are you to correct me? You know what I'm saying? Hushy your mouth, hushy, hushy. But this is their mind, this is their mindset. I read the Bible one time, and pastors aren't supposed to be like this. No, did you ever read Jesus in the temple? Because that's an option with me with you right now. Half kid, half kid. But, but here's the point. Here's the point. 
Sometimes people want to judge me as a pastor and they want to say, Pastor, you're not supposed to be wearing cargo pants on Sunday. You don't even know the Bible. What are you talking about? See, see, this is the thing. This is the thing. So I'll be out street witnessing as I do quite often. I'll be out street witnessing and I'll say, well, you know, let me help you understand why you need Christ because the wrath of God is coming upon se sexually immoral people. And they'll say, well, I don't know what that means. Well, let me make it clear. Do you have sex with your boyfriend? Well, yeah. And then, then that's when they'll come back at me. Well, you know, look at you. You're supposed to be a pastor. You do this. You do that. And then I say, see, you don't know the Bible. You don't know what you're supposed to be judging on. This is, not a, this is not a dress club. This is not a fashion show. You get it? The judgment of God is based on your character. So let's look at that. Now, if they say, well, pastor, I'm going to point out sin in you, go for it. Because if I'm truly a Christian, I should want to repent of sin, right? So if you can show in my life sin, don't put it on Facebook. Come tell me right now or tell me after service, right? Don't embarrass me, I guess, in front of everybody. But come tell me, tell me after service. Be like, Joe, when I was talking to you, you kept looking at my boobies. Okay, sorry you felt that way. I'll look up at the ceiling next time. But you get what I'm pointing is? I don't want to ever be a pastor that people think that I'm above the law. I'm not above the law. Judge me the same way I judge you, by the standard of God. How many want to see that in the Bible? Let me just show you that in the Bible because some of you are like, I don't know about judging. The Bible said judge not. Let's see if you judge. Let me just show you, judge righteously. Let me show you, let me show you sweet daddy Jesus right here, okay? Let me show you sweet, sweet daddy Jesus. Go to John 7.24. We still haven't got past the introduction yet. That's okay. We'll get there in just a minute. Stop judging by mere appearances, but judge, but instead judge. Okay, why does Matthew 5 say don't judge? Because they were judging by a false standard. Why does he say in John 7, 24 to judge? Because the idea is how you judge, how you judge. And let's be honest, all of us make judgments. If you don't, I got a bridge to sell you, right? Because if you don't make a judgment on me telling you I have a bridge to sell you, then you're going to be taken advantage by everybody. And, and, and I, I pity your children because if you don't make judgments, I pity your children because there's going to be some crazy person wanting to babysit your kids, right? Hello? Come on, let's be honest. Some homeless one-eyed Willie. I'll baby, I'll babysit little, little, uh, little uh, Sa Sa Sally. I'm trying to get a name out. I'll babysit little Sally. I'm like, no, you ain't babysitting Sally. Listen, I'm going to be real honest with you. I had to go to the, uh, to, to the five below, and it was raining Friday, and had all my kids with me. Nancy was preaching a women's retreat to a church with Indian believers. And, uh, and I literally looked at the guy, and I said, listen, i got to leave my kids right here and go get my car. And I just want to tell you something. If anything happens to them, it's going to be a bloody mess in here. It's going to be a bloody mess. And I said, listen to me, listen to me. I said, I said, I don't even care. I don't even care if it's you or not you. You better stop the person that tries to come over here. And you better tell them, the guy that just talked to me and left his kids here to go over there, he is crazy. He is crazy. <laughs> now, you may say, well, Pastor, that's just not the way it's supposed to be. You see, but you don't understand judgment. You don't understand judgment. The Bible says in Romans that the sword is for the lawbreaker. Turning the other cheek, when it says slap, turn the other cheek, that's in a religious setting when Jews would argue very much in the time which came from this, in the early Western civilization, in the times of the Church of England and things, when they would have disputes, the highest insult you could pay to somebody was to step over, take off your glove, and slap them. Even then, you could challenge them to a duel or something like that. But the greatest insult was to slap slap somebody. It was not an attack. It was not a, I'm going to kill you, your kids. It wasn't an ISIS thing. It was just, I don't respect you. And they did that to Jesus, right? Because they didn't respect him. They slapped him 
in front of Caiaphas because Jesus wasn't answer Caiaphas and they slapped him right in front of him. And then he slapped Paul as well. It was a part of their tradition. But then when you go to Romans, it talks about the defense of the weak. You see, if I don't protect my children and turn the other cheek and let a rapist take them, that is now an evil that I'll be held against me because I have let those little children stumble and I have not provided for them safety and I am now worse than an infidel. Do you understand? So judge me as much as you want. Just judge me correctly. Because I got something for you. You come this way, I got something for you. Amen. I'm going to judge you too. But here's the thing. Let's all judge each other. Let's all judge each other. I don't want to go to a church that judges me. Okay, there's ten more down the road. The pastor won't judge you. And he, he don't want you to judge him because he got a girlfriend too, all right. And he's going to take all your money and do whatever he wants with it. And he's going to pimp you so bad. And he's going to be so happy you in his church because he don't believe in that either. But here's what I say. Judge me and I'll judge you. Judge me by what? Appearances? No, judge me correctly. Judge me by the word. Judge me by the word. Judge your babysitter by the word. Judge your husband by the word. Judge them by the same standard you want to be judged by. Amen? I'm so happy you guys came to this church this morning or this afternoon. You got to hear it right. Okay, also, it is good to know what Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. So think of this. Paul is writing to the city of Colossia, and then he writes to the, the church of Ephesus. Two different towns, two different letters, but listen to the language now with Colossians in mind. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Everybody say, be made new. In your attitude. Come on, do it again and point to your neighbor. Say, be made new in your attitude. Yes, indeed. And to put on the new self, watch this, created to be like God in true what? Righteousness and what? Holiness. Now you all ready for the introduction. That was the intro to the intro. How many are ready for the introduction? Okay. The believer is not a mixture of the old and new. Think about that. That's what some people want to teach you. You're part good, you're part bad. We're not a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, part sinner and part saint. Though the Christian still lives in this body, they are no more their flesh than they are their stomach. You're not your stomach. You're not your body. You're not the desire to sin. You're not a sexual, immoral person. As a Christian, you are born in the image of God. Control the sexuality. Control the anger. Do you understand? You are in control. Your soul has a body. It's not that your body just has a little soul in it. No, your body is the slave of your soul. Your choice, your soul. Your body dies, your soul lives on, and will be judged for what you did in your body. Does everybody get that? Body dies, soul goes on. Where does it go after that is what you did in your body. So don't fall for the lie that I am my body. So a lot of people say, well, I was born this way. Okay, we'll get born again another way. Right? Just because I was born in my body to be, to be uh, ultra rebellious towards my kids doesn't mean I can keep being rebellious and then go to judgment and say, God, I was born rebellious, so deal with it. No, Jesus said, I came to die so you could live. You see, Jesus came to save my sorry behind. He came to save my sassy, rebellious self. And if I don't do it his way, I will bust hell wide open, not because of my body, but because of what my soul did. Do you understand? No one here can say my body made me do it. And we'll go all day long into temptation. I understand that there's a lot of temptation that is very real in your body. I know that some people were joking around about a temper, but there are some of you that just you can't control your temper. You just you can't do it. And I used to be like that, but I want to tell you, Christ will have you control your temper. 
Christ will have you do it. Some of you honestly think, I can't control us. I mean, just there's some men in here, maybe women, but I know a lot of men, so I'll speak from that perspective. And you're just like, every time I see a woman, I can't help but lust after her. I'm telling you what, that's not true. The soul can control the body. You are in control of your body with that soul. And Christians, Christians have been made new in their souls and therefore are not both sinner and saint. They are altogether sanctified saints. Therefore, living as a saint is living a new life, continually being renewed in our knowledge and true identity. So you remember that time I confessed to you where I lost my temper at Guitar Center? That wasn't my body's fault. That was my fault for forgetting who I was. Come on. Anytime you have ever sinned, it's because you forgot who you were. The sinner just doesn't want to be honest with who they are. They hide in darkness. Can I show you that people hide in darkness? Can I show that to you real quick? And this is all part of the sermon. I am kind of teasing you. We'll get roundabout there. By, I don't know, about five-ish. Are we okay with that? Like one person laughing. <laughs> That's not funny, Pastor. We came for a baby dedication. Let us go. The Vivids will be free to leave at any time. No, I'm kidding. We love you. Look at this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. What, what is your reaction when you're in a dark room and light comes on? What's your reaction? You're instantly like, get this out of my face. That's why people on your job don't like you when you talk about Jesus. It's like a light in their face. That's why some of your family doesn't like you because you point a light in their face. That's why the people of this world don't like you. You're pointing a light in their face, and they love darkness. They want to stay in darkness. They don't want their mind to be enlightened. They want to stay in the ignorance of their folly, worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Everyone who does evil hates the light. All of us can relate to that at one time or another. Do you remember when you hated the light? Do you remember when you did not find yourself being drawn to God, but you were repelled by God? It might have been as a young person, your parents would tell you, go to bed at 10, shut off your lights, and then you would put a little flashlight under your bed or do something to stay up later. See, that rebellion was because you loved evil. That's because you loved it. See, I want everybody to get this. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. Do not get this confused. Everybody's loving something with all their heart right now. It's either the creation or the creator. There's a lot in that today, I'm going to be concluding with that, so hold on to that thought. It is not like people don't love stuff. They love what they are doing by their default, by their nature. Even the person of suicide, depression, loves their misery, loves their misery rather than their victory. And I say that with all respect with those who may have to go to counseling or anything, but listen to me. Ultimately, you will decide, will I love the darkness or will I love the light? And it was actually a movie that uh, William, um, what was the funny comedian guy committed suicide? Robin Williams actually made a movie about his wife committing suicide and he goes down into her like in hell and tries to get her out. There's actually so much truth to that. Don't picture that woman in hell uh, already battling because you won't battle after you die. Picture that is what the suicidal person is dealing with in life. Will I trust God? Will I trust God or not? See, the first thing Jesus said was deny yourself. Suicide is the killing of self, not a denial of self. It is a self-worship. That is why when it talks about marriage, he said that the husband must love his body as himself for no one ever hated himself. And I always wondered about that because there are people who cut themselves and there's this and that, but that is still out of a uh, a self-love. They may think that it's loathing. They may think that is what it is, but it is a love nonetheless, and it is a love of their darkness. It is a love of darkness. Everybody be honest with me right now. You know people like this. You need to warn them. Self-loathing is loving darkness. Self-loathing is loving darkness. I got two friends here. You used to work at what place there on Belmont and Clark? Which one? 
Yeah, the alley, right? A lot of darkness there, a lot of darkness, but they love it. They love it. And I used to hang around with people like that and listen to me. That is the truth. Do not fall for an idea of a victim mentality. The soul is in control. The soul is in control. Everyone who does what's evil hates the light and will not come into the light for what fear? What did they fear coming into the light? That their deeds will be exposed. If you don't believe that people have fear of this, just get around some young ladies and start taking some pictures, and you'll see how much they fear the light of the camera because all of a sudden they're going to be like, no, 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 I don't want to see that. Why? Because in their flesh they don't like how they look and they're very self-conscious. That's why they have to use these filters and keep doing these puppy dog things and all of this because unfiltered and raw is not good enough. Think about it. It's not good enough and they want to build their self-esteem. Now there may be some here who go, well, I just do it because I want to do it. It's cute, whatever. But be honest with yourself. Why is that so important to you? Why are the filters so important? Why is this... What, what are you getting out of that? You're getting something because you're afraid of your own reflection. You're afraid of loving yourself in the raw. And that's why you see in the media now, girls, what are they doing? They're showing you their bodies. They're showing you the makeup that they put on. They're showing you to reveal all of that to say, love yourself. Love the skin you're in. And this is even deeper than that spiritually. Most people do not want to look at themselves spiritually. It is not that people on spiritual journeys are that much smarter than you. No, they're just running from their self. The person today doing five hours of yoga is not more spiritual than you. They are running away from themselves, trying to get to a place of clear where they think of nothing. They're trying to rid their mind. But you cannot think of nothing. You will always think of something. And so all they're thinking about is, I don't want to think about me. I don't want to think about me. But the Bible does not teach us to do cognitive retraining or behavioral modification. The Bible tells us to count our old man as dead. And then to what? To fill it with the new man. Fill it with the things of God. How do you stop thinking about what is bad? You think about what is good. How do I not lust after another woman? Nancy, will you come up here, please? See, I have no fear of me leaving my wife. You know why I have no fear? Because I'm going to get the life group started right now, the intimacy. Can I do that? I'm going to be prepping her. I'm going to start prepping her right now. Here she comes, walking down the street. Pretty woman. See, now listen to me right here. I have no fear of cheating on my wife. Why? Because I'm going to let my heart be full of her love. And that's going to take action. I'm going to count my old man as dead. And so that means when I have a temptation of lust, I won't give in to that. I will repent and confess it to her, and I've had to do that. But what I will do then is make the effort to add to my love and relationship with her obedience, self-sacrifice, humility, honor. And then what happens? I fill her love tank. She then reciprocates, fills my love tank. And because now I'm full, I have no room for anything else. See, the way to stop sinning is not to sit into a room and tell yourself to stop sinning. It's to get doing so much good you have no room for sin. The way to, to way to change your affections towards, it says set your hearts on things above. If you set your heart on things above, do you have any heart left to set on things of earth? If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, do you have anything else to love uh, the creation with? No, you see, when you love the person you're with in a relationship like how you love Jesus, your heart is full. It cannot be filled with anything else. And what's the problem with sinners? See, they've made no room in their heart. They filled it with the things of the world. And now we come to them, and that's why the gospel makes them sick. That's why they don't like it. That's why they get offended by this preaching. And that's why they don't know what they're missing is because they're so full on themselves that they have no room for God. That is why Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And I'll make some deposits right now. I love you. I love you. Come ready. Come ready. 
Come ready. I'm so serious. I'm so serious. Come ready to uh, the life group. Come on. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So if you're truly wanting to live for God, you have no, you have no fear of light. You have no fear of judgment. No fear of it. All of you should be able to say as confident, confidently as I'm saying right now, come at me. Come at me. Those of you who don't do discipleship, you're already telling us you're not right with God. Or you're pretty slow to the point. This is a church that announces discipleship every week. You're either just being rebellious, being sassy pants, not wanting to do it, or you're hiding sin. Why else would you not do it? Well, I'm just not ready for it. You're not ready for what? What are you not ready for? What you're not ready for is light to shine in your life. Well, I don't like that kind of preaching. I've already told you this 10 down the road that will preach just what you want them to, what you want to hear. Because you know what? They don't care about you like the way we care about you. There are some that do, but just give me, hear, hear me on this. Guys, I choose to preach like this. It's my choice. You've already laughed a few times. I could keep telling jokes like that for 20 minutes, make it short, send you home, and I still get paid. Do you understand that? This preaching will cause some of you not to want to come back, but I'm okay with that because I love you for your sake. I don't love you for my sake. I'm not trying to use you. I'm not trying to take something from you. I am a man that is pleasing my boss. My boss is not you. The popularity of my preaching doesn't determine my reward in heaven. Do you understand? Jeremiah wasn't popular. John the Baptist wasn't popular. Now, one day I want 100,000, but that's okay. I'll do it without 100,000. But here's the thing you've got to understand. You can't hear this preaching and then stay neutral and then make it about you and me or us in this church. Look at the scriptures. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So if I were to ask Augustine today, when was the last time you looked at pornography, he should have no shame of telling me when he looked at pornography. Because if he has looked at it recently and has truly repented before God, it doesn't matter what I think now. It doesn't matter. He's already been forgiven. And then if he has done it in 10 years, he says that now is a testimony, and it encourages me for me to continue not to look at pornography. So why should we be ashamed? Why should we, as Christians, uh, let the world di dictate our reputation? You know, I know I'm a hip guy. I dress hip. Our church is hip. I get all of that, you know. But listen to me. Why should I let this world dictate to me our reputation? I don't care what the world thinks. I really don't. Let the world hear the word of God the way we hear it, and they'll think the way we do. Because I used to be like the world. You used to be like the world, right? But why do you think differently? Because Christ changed you. Now think about this. This very image that man was created in, excuse me, I pushed the wrong button. This very image that God was created in is the very purpose to why we were created. Think about it like this. You were created to reflect the creator. Why did, man, why did God make man? To be a reflection of his image. So if you choose to do something else, what is that? That's rebellion. So if Caitlyn Jenner says, well, you know, I, I just felt like doing this, making, mutilating my body, making myself a woman, does God go, congratulations, I'm so proud of you? No, he's in rebellion against his creator. If I, as a pastor, start lying, stealing, and cheating, do you say to me, well done? No, because I'm doing it against my creator. Husbands, if you go off and cheat on your wife, what's the problem there? Is it just cheating is bad, like this, this thing we call sin is bad because of sin's sake? No, it's sin because of God's sake. Because of God's character. That's what makes a sin what it is. There's a person. 
So, for example, imagine if I tell my daughter, clean your room, do all of these things, and she does it, she's honoring me as a person. If she doesn't do it, she's disrespecting me as a person. But where did my laws come from? The idea of cleaning your room, treating your sister nice, it came from my character, right? Now, obviously, my character goes back to God, but put God right there at that place. God gives commands out of his character. God tells you what to do because God is holy. So when you are living for God, you are to reflect God. You shouldn't ever think of trying to keep God's commands as a way of earning salvation. You should look at it as reflecting salvation. The moon has no light of its own, yet it has light reflected off of it. You have no light of your own, but you have light inside of you, and you are to reflect it. Now, this image that God gives us is restored through the spiritual soul and signs to the body of flesh. And at the second coming, when the spiritual soul will be given a resurrected body like that of Jesus, will be raised from the dead. Think about this. When Jesus raised from the dead, did he have a spiritual new body? Absolutely. The body could walk through walls. He said it wasn't a flesh and blood. It was a flesh and bone. There's another discussion on that we don't have time to get into. And what he showed us from starting to finish from his virgin birth to the resurrection is what the total package, what the image of God looks like. And so what we're supposed to do is say, even now on the inside, I have this treasure of clay, but on the outside, it's going to be on display for everybody. On resurrection day, we will see the damned and we will see uh, the saved. And that's what our hope is in this world. And that's why Paul called Jesus the firstborn among the dead. And Jesus displays to this world the hope that's to come and that in our spiritual soul we have a precious treasure in a jar of clay. Have you ever heard that? That you have a precious treasure in a jar of clay. Anybody ever heard that? Let's start from the beginning. Has anybody ever read the Bible? Okay, in the Bible, it's okay if you don't know, but I just want to know if anybody's read the Bible. In the Bible, have you ever heard Paul say that you have a precious treasure in a jar of clay? What is that treasure? It's your soul. It's the image of Christ in you. Well, what's the jar of clay? It's your body. Body dies, uh, um, treasure lives on. In closing, let me just have you look at this. How many remember these charts that we've gone through, right? How does it start with? It starts with the new man. And all these notes are online, by the way. It starts with Christ making us a new man. And then through that, we spiritually grow by knowing, showing. The more I know, the more I show is the more I grow. The more I know about my wife and say she likes public affirmation, which I've been doing a lot of that today, is then up to me to show it to her. So if I know it and I show it to her, I will grow in my love for her. The more my children know my commands and show it by obedience is the more they will grow in their love and honor for me. It's the same way with God. Now what happens as we do that? The mind is renewed and the behavior is transformed. And so when we look at this chart right here, knowing, showing equals growing, that is how God expects us to grow. You guys have all seen this before, right? But just in review, if you know Jesus is God and Savior, you know that you share in his divine nature, you're made in his image, and you know that you can do all that he commanded you to do, you then must show it by these good deeds, by these fruits. You're not saved by good works, but you're saved unto good works. Then the character grows. And these characteristics are that found in 2 Peter chapter 1 and in the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5. So how should we look at it? We should look at the new man is the Spirit saving and sanctifying once and for all. Spiritual growth is the Spirit continually growing. And renewal and transformation is the Spirit transforming us and this continual work in our lives. And so what does it look like as we move on in life? 
See, I start at new birth. That's not where I finish, though. See, the baby's born, but that's not where it dies. The baby then lives on, comes into maturity. The Bible talks about growing up in your salvation. So I start at new birth and salvation and sanctification, and then through spiritual growing, I grow like Christ. Remember him being my perfect example. From the virgin birth to the resurrection, Jesus was always growing. Not growing in his divinity, but growing in his maturity. It says that Jesus grew in stature and in favor with God and man. He set the example of what Adam and Eve failed to do. He became the second Adam. Adam was born perfect and then Jesus was born perfect and Jesus grew and did all that God wanted him to do. We now, born again in that same nature, partaking in his character, are to grow like him. Grow in our knowledge. Grow in our wisdom. And then what is renewal and transformation? Thinking and acting like Christ. That is reflecting the image of Jesus. Now how many are ready for the message? This is the message right here. I want to give you five takeaways as Rachel comes to play you guys some nice music so you want to stay longer. Here's five takeaways from that passage in Colossians, having said all of that. Takeaway number one, the secret to living a God kind of life, according to Paul, that we've learned today, is to set your heart and affections and mind on Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't do spiritual jumping jacks. It's not going to change you. Don't think if you're going to Go out there and impress me or impress God. You can't do it. But what you do in your heart is you set it on Jesus. See, when I fell in love with Nancy, it wasn't because of all the things she did. It was because the Spirit of God was drawing me to her. I actually broke up with her once and almost did a second time. And many times you'll see in real relationships, you got to go beyond the external. Even parents will relate to this. Seriously, seriously. I was talking to a father the other day. You can think it's a bad joke, but I said, hey, man, are you still married? And he said, yeah, I've almost been convicted of murder, though, but I'm still married. But that's the way some husbands and fathers talk. Hey, let's keep it real. That's how they feel. But that's not the way Christ called us to be. Because what you have to see is even in our deepest relationships, what, uh, husbands and wives, mothers with children, fathers with their children, is you got to see where God is in that. And so I sought, sought my heart. And God said, no, that's your wife. And then when I opened up my heart to what God was doing, I experienced 1 Corinthians 13 love. First two weddings I ever did as a pastor already ended in divorce because they thought they knew what love was and they thought they could do it without God. See, when will we humble ourselves as foolish creations and stop thinking we got this on our own and start admitting we need to do it the Creator's way. So how do you do it? You start in your heart. You go through all of your relationships, start there, because that's what's most important to us as people, not things, and you start setting your mind on Christ. Okay, God, where is your mind and attitude towards my marriage? Set my heart there. Can't be in two places at one time, so set it there. there. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Jesus, where should my mind be set with my children? Anybody getting that? Mind set? Where should my mind be set with my children? Be a father. You know how often I've been putting my children down for naps or sending them out to the backyard, and Jesus goes, you're doing that for your sake, not their sake. And there is nobody here a better father than me. 
I'll guarantee you that. I guarantee you. No one does more. No one loves more. No one gives more. And I'm telling you, if I have a fa- as a father confess to you that I at times do things with the wrong mindset, how much more so all of us here? Stop being fake. You want to reflect the image of God? I want to reflect the image of God. Set your heart on Christ. He'll tell you how to be a parent. Stop running from him. When Adam and Eve sinned, they ran from God. That's where humanity is now, running and hiding. That's where some of you are, running and hiding. And that's why you keep coming back to this church, because it hits you right between the eyes. It's not a Joel Osteen pep talk. This is the word of God. It's coming. It's true. The wrath of God is real. You need to stop hiding and set your heart on Jesus. See, once I humbled myself, I realized that was the best person for me, my wife. When I humbled myself with my children, I realized that was the best thing for me to do was to spend more time with them, not less. My daughter said to me the other day, she hears me preach, she hears everything. She said, you're the nicest man I know. She said that to my wife. See, some of you all think I'm mean. It's because you don't know what love is. You think love is me telling you a lie. See, my daughter has seen me correct her and spank her, and she still said, that's the nicest man I know right there because she knows love is true. She knows the same daddy that gives her ice cream is the same daddy that spanks her because daddy wants her to get the right mindset and train her and teach her and love her. And I want to encourage you from that. Get the right mindset. You see my mindset on another thing, come rebuke me. I don't want to miss heaven and go to hell because I got self-deceived. The next takeaways that we learn is there's not two youth. There isn't one holy side of you, one sinful. There's not a demon and an angel. If you are born again, you are one new person in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. He literally says, take off the old and put on the new. I want to ask you, how new are you today? Are you living new? Or are you still in that old attitude, still in that old mindset, making excuses? Well, you know what? It's easy for Pastor Joe to say that because he's a pastor. He wasn't raised like me. He wasn't. Hey, that's your old self. Take it off. I took off mine by God's grace. Take off yours. All those things I never want to put on again. Is there anybody with me? How many are done with sin today? I mean, we may be tempted, but how many want to pray the prayer of Jesus and say, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil? How about this third takeaway? Though the believer has died and been cut off from the flesh, the flesh remains. Let's be honest. It haunts us. And therefore, we must put to death, with its des- put its desires and temptations to death when they arise. Jesus said, firstly, deny your what? Deny your... And the second thing he said is pick up your, and the third thing was, what? You remember? Think about it. No pressure. Yeah, go ahead. Can we turn on the mic so she can say it? You used to do team Bible quiz, didn't you? You remember you would be put on the spot a lot. It's not embarrassing for you. Maybe for them, but not for you. No, I'm kidding. Jesus said, deny yourself. Then what did he say next? And then what was the third thing? Boom. Sounds like Paul's reiterating that. Oh, take off the old self, put on the new self. And then he goes on a little bit further and he goes, and then put to death some stuff. Well, hold on, what happened here? What, what, what he's explaining to you is the, the systematic of Jesus. See, Jesus knew that you denied yourself and the denial was real. But as you would go on, there was stuff that would still have to die. And he would have to die daily. 
So that's why you're carrying a cross. You're carrying a cross so your attitude can die, so your offense can die, so your sexual immorality can die. When? Whenever it arises. Your rebellion can die. Your anger can die. And so is it the same for Pastor Joe? You better believe it. If I ever stop denying myself, if I ever stop carrying my cross, it will be impossible to follow Jesus. So when I see people all the time go, I follow Jesus, and you look at their life and it's a wreck, liar, liar, pants on fire. You see, because you're following Jesus without denial and without a cross. And the Bible says you're just unfit for anything. Basically worthless in the kingdom of God. Literally, that's what the Bible says. Can I show you that? How many want to see that happy scripture? It's coming anyway. Look at this scripture right here. I don't think some people understand what the Bible says, but I would, I will love to read to you what the Bible says. They claim to know God. But by their actions, they deny him. They are what? What are they? Say it again. They are, I didn't say that. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Did I say the word worthless? I did say the word worthless, didn't I? Some of you were listening. I said they're worthless in the kingdom of God. I'll show you the translation that says that. When it says unfit for doing anything good, it literally means that they are worthless, worth nothing for doing anything good. Let me get it to you right here. Look at this. I need the new King James. I want you guys to see this. One of my translations will pull it up because I want you guys to see it. Unfit has come up a lot. They're real creeps, disobedient, good-for-nothings. That's the message. That's putting the Greek into a more modern version. Here's the new living. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable, disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. You can get mad at the preacher all day long. That's what the Bible says. Do you understand? I'm not trying to be theatrical, though I'm excited about Jesus. The Bible literally says if you don't do this right, you're detestable, you're a good for nothing, you're disobedient, you're worthless. Jesus doesn't send to hell people he wants in heaven. I want you to get this. Jesus will not feel sorry for you on judgment day. You don't reflect the image of the creator. You reflect the creation. You chose to be worthless, and he'll give you just what you chose. So why does he love the world so much? He loves the world for what it can be. He doesn't love the world in its sinfulness for the sake of its sin. He loves the world out of his love. For example, when I see some of you in the church, and please be patient here, when I see some of you in the church and I say, man, God can do this and God can do this, and I'm, I'm talking to you about your future and your destiny, I'm not doing that based on your past. 
I'm doing that based on what is unseen, based on the faith that God gives and the ability that his grace empowers us to do. And I'm doing it the same way that was spoken over my life. It's, it's how we speak blessing over each other. That's literally what blessing means. You don't have it now, but you can receive it later. later. So may God bless you. May his face shine upon you. May he empower you to prosper in your journey. We say that over our children. At least we should when we send them home uh, out to school. And then when they come home for bed, we pray and bless them so that they're in a cycle of blessing and receiving the things from God. You step outside of that cycle. You still are the sinner, the one, the one worthy of damnation, the one that's worthless, the one that's disobedient. You all get that? So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Come in humility. And, I, and I'm so thankful for that scripture. And I know sometimes it's tough for us to hear these things. But for me, you know why I love him? It's because I know Jesus loves me and he made room for me to come. I don't want to be worthless. I don't want to be disobedient. I have no fear of his judgment because perfect love casts out all my fear. I, I love the police. I have no fear of their judgment today. Amen. Now, some people do, and we need to see a little bit more equality come, right? But, but if, you're, if, if we're in a perfect society in that sense, like God is perfect, we should have no fear of being arrested because we've not broken any law. Because believers are new and still carrying around their body, the death, uh, uh, their flesh, the body of death, within them, Paul's prior command to set one's heart and mind on Christ is very important. What believers do with their heart and mind determines the kind of life they will live, whether they will live in the new self as they really are or in the old self as they once were. Have you ever seen a Christian confused? And I think you posted about that on Facebook, didn't you, the other day, about people who claim to be in Christ and they're not? Check out uh, Andrea's Facebook. It's, it's, a, it's an epidemic in the world today. And it takes us to get woken up and to truly live, from God, live for God. The Bible says, wake up, O sleeper, and Christ will shine on you. And then lastly, the last takeaway. Think about this. And I know Jesus loves us so much. First, you know who God says you are, the chosen holy people. And then second, you live like Jesus, have compassion and kindness because you follow Jesus' commands. You let the peace and the word of God dwell with you. Remember we read that? There's like that letting, that letting that happens. And so let me just encourage you from Paul again. Put on the new self, created to be like God into righteousness and holiness. Join me in that journey. Tell me when I'm wrong. Show me in the word of God. I have a lot of friends in, in, in the Christian church and you know what they've said about me? You don't even have to hear this from my own words. My wife will testify. Do not, my friends, say about me, and please say if I'm wrong, let's not lie in church, that I'm the most transparent man they know. They say to me, Joe keeps it real. And I'm not talking like just, just any old dudes. I'm talking about pastors of churches of thousands. And they, they say, this guy is real. When Brandon came with us last time, Brandon just did a big thing in Atlanta, had the whole stadium packed with these guys, 20,000. All your favorite gospel singers were there. All the big names were there. He was just at a place with, with Trip or Tibbet or one of those guys. What's his name? Ty Tibbet. Yeah, he's with all of them. You know what he said to me? He said, Joe, they offer me these jobs all the time. And he said, the reason why I want to come help out Metro Praise is because I've known you for 10 years, and you're one of the most godly realest men I've ever met. And he said, I want to come help you. I'll come out here, and I want to do this because I know you're real. And he just, I could tell you the name, and many of you would know the name. He was just over there. So don't go searching to find some stuff. But he was working for one of these big-name people, and it just, no integrity. Situation went bad. 
they fire him over a text because he was doing stuff for God and they just got caught and it was just a mess. And it's just like, he's telling me, he's like, Joe, because I knew him when we started off in another church. And he's like, Joe, these last 10 years, I ain't seen nothing but mess. He says, I see people not living for God. I see them getting paid to do ministry. I see preachers having growth. He said, it's such a mess out there. Such a mess. And I know you guys see the same thing, don't you? I mean, right now, if I said Facebook this to 10 people you know need to hear it, you would know 10 people right now that used to fill up these chairs or whatever. You know, you would say, man, I know this person needs to hear it. I know this person needs to hear it. But what's the problem? They don't want to hear it. They don't want to do it. And so what we need to do, friends, is we need to say, I'm going to put on the new self. Pastor Joe's going to put on the new self. So I'll be the first one to say, come to me. Come at me. Come at me. Come at me real. Come at me correctly. And then I want to know, do I have permission to come at you? And my rules, if I can't show you in the Bible, let's not follow them, right? Let's not follow them. If I come to you and I say something stupid like women can't be pastors or girls have to have long hair or men can't wear pants in church, then, then rebuke me. Right? But if I say, watch your mouth. Don't blaspheme the name of the Lord. Don't get offended at me. Right? Now, the Bible then also says, don't throw your pearls to swine. Here's how I know what a swine is in the kingdom of God. If I have told you something and you got mad at me and you don't want to hear it no more, I ain't going to tell it to you no more. He said, don't give what's holy to the dogs. Don't give what's precious to the pearls. Don't throw your pearls to swine. So here's my thing. The greatest gift you can have from a man or woman of God in your life is someone who tells you as a T.I. is. If you find yourself in a place in life where ain't not many people telling you who you are anymore, it's because you have cut them out. And God has tried to get your attention through them, and he's waiting for you to hit the door a few more times before you go back and say, I need to fix this. I need to get right. The best thing you can ever do for me is tell me the truth. Amen. Can we stand up and give Jesus a hand clap? I know I was long. Let's give it up for Jesus. Band and altar workers, would you come? Jesus, we want to reflect your image. Lord, we want to be like you. Would you just pray in your own words and let the Lord know if you want to be like him? Come on, if you want to be like Jesus, just say, I want to be like you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Start in me right now, God. Just slow it down just a little bit. We're going to get to that in just a second. Jesus. Lord, right now, let's just focus on you for a few moments. Are we who we are supposed to be? Are we reflecting you? As you're praying right now, some of you need an image. I'll give you one that I said in the first service. Think of a bright light, like one of those spotlights that they put before clubs or carnivals. Now imagine that light having all the power in the world to shine. But you painting all the glass black, covering it then all with dirt. Let me ask you a question. Is the reason why it can't shine is because of the power of the light? No. It's because it's been covered. Some of you today, you need to see that illustration because now you know what? Taking off the old and putting on the new for you is literally getting the junk off that light, clearing the way so that Jesus can do what he always does, and that's shine through you. Some of you have said, have said man, I've tried it, and it didn't work, Pastor. I tried I tried so hard. I tried so I, I did that, and it didn't work. No, no, you messed up somewhere because it always works. Always works. Light always overcomes darkness. Light always overcomes darkness. 
Light will overcome the darkness of your attitude. Light will overcome the darkness of your perversion. Light will overcome the darkness of your anger. Light will overcome the darkness of your unforgiveness. Every time, every time, every time. Let a light be. There is no darkness, no darkness that can ever overcome a light. Let it have its shine, and there is nothing that will ever stop it. Only thing that can stop the light, it's the same thing in the Bible you see it, it's when you cover it, it's when you move away from it, it's when you turn your back on it, it's when you love something else, you love your darkness. And Jesus is saying to all of us right now, let me shine, let me shine, change your clothes, let me shine, change your attitude, let me shine. You know what that letting is? That letting Christ in? Let the peace of Christ in your heart. You know what it's like? It's surrender. It's surrender. It's letting go and letting God. A few more moments right now, you and Jesus. What do you need to talk to him about? Some of you just need to start right there and say, Lord, I'm going to take it off today. I'm going to take off the old. I'm going to put on the new. I'm going to be made new in the attitude of my mind. I'm going to be renewed in the, in the knowledge of who you are and my, the image of my creator. Others of you, you need to start by asking God to forgive you of sin. Just, Lord, I'm, I'm done making excuses. I'm not going to call it anything else. It's sin. It's not a bad habit. It's sin. The wrath of God, your wrath is coming because of it. Forgive me. Forgive me. Jesus few more moments, come on, and then we're just ending a worship song, because it says encourage each other with songs and hymns, you know, encourage through those songs, would you put up the words and get it ready for us, Joby, but just a few more moments, Jesus, Jesus, start with me, God, may I reflect your glory, may I reflect your character, may people see you in me, may they see you in me today, in my marriage, may they see you children, this church. Amen. Would you sing this with me in closing? In your love. It's the love of God that draws us to himself. It's extravagant. Is extravagant. Come on, would you sing it? Put it a little louder, please. Your love is so, your friendship is so intimate. vocals a little louder please come on a few more times your love is so extravagant does anybody feel the love of God today to love sinners to make us saints does anybody sense the friendship of God to walk and talk with Jesus to grow closer and closer to the Lord your friendship oh, is so One more time. Your love is extravagant that you would love a sinner like me. Your love oh, I feel the presence of God in this place. I hope you're happy you stayed later today. I sense Jesus healing hearts and transforming lives, letting his light shine, his image reflect through you today. Your friendship. There ain't nobody else I'd rather be with than you. Now come on, saints, sing it like you mean it. I find I'm moving to the rhythms of your grace. Hallelujah. I find I'm moving to the rhythms of your grace.
Before we go, let me just ask you, are you ready to move with Jesus, man? Are you ready? Are you ready to walk out these doors, take Jesus by the hand and say, Lord, I'm following you step by step. I'm going to work in the, walk in the spirit. Because if not, I, I, I just want to tell you, hell is waiting for you. But as the truth of God is, if you are ready, I want to tell you something. The windows of heaven are ready to pour out blessings. Heaven is waiting for you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for you. You're going to reflect his image. Like the moon with no light of its own, you're going to reflect the glory of the sun. You're going to reflect the glory of the sun on your job, in your family, wherever you go. People are going to see God in you. They're going to know that God is in you from the inside out. You're going to reflect Jesus. You know, there's no greater privilege than to imitate the great ones. You know, I mean, think about that. If you got to be with Michael Jordan and just learn what that guy knew to do what he did, I'm not talking about the gift of individuality. I'm just talking about, like, the gift of impartation and mentorship. I mean, there's no greater honor. Imagine right now if you could just sit down with Bill Gates and just talk to him about entrepreneurship for an hour or, or sit down with, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and be like, social media and, and, and content, uh, help me understand. Imagine, man, come on, you could sit down with Albert Einstein and, you know, any passion of your life, your favorite musician, and just get it, right? Just get it to imitate it so you can go out and innovate with it. Now imagine this, Jesus calls us all to the divine. The word godly, that's what he wants us to be. Christ-like literally means to be like him. And he doesn't do it from the outside in. He does it from the inside out. Just one last time, I just want to pray for us in closing, but I just want to ask you, are you real about that? Because I want to be so real about that. I want to reflect Him. We're just going to sing this little ditty that the Lord gave me, I'm new because you made me new, and then we'll pray, come on. And I'm new because you made me new. Just encourage yourself with that. She made me new. Believe it today. I'm new because he made me new. And I will never be. The other verses there, brother, put it up, please. I'm new. And I'm new because you made me new. Yes, we are. Because you made me new. And I'm new because you made me new. And I will never be. One more time, if you believe it. I'm new because you made me because you made me new and I'm new because you made me new I'm new because you made me new I will never be the same 
Can I blow your mind in closing? Because I know it was a long service. Some of y'all bored already and everything. Do you know that I have young people that have already been at the first service at 10 a.m.? That will show you hunger, people. Don't you get tired with Jesus. I got young people right now that will take your seats and fill these up. Why? Because they're about what Jesus is about. And I will never change this. But I want to grow with you guys. Amen? But I just want to tell you guys, I'm proud of you. And I see it happen. And I saw it last week. I'm like... Man, some people think I go long. By the way, it's me preaching two services. I can make it 20 minutes for myself. But I see the young people, and I see, like, Josh and these guys. I know a lot of you guys, but I'm just saying, like, you're hungry for it. I want to tell you, that's the transformation. Y'all go to three-hour movies, four-hour baseball games, house parties all night long. Come on, people. Do you want a new life or not? Don't come to me in counseling with God was supposed to do at an altar call. Hey. Don't get mad because I don't return your phone call when you don't call out to Jesus. Jesus never told me I was to be your Savior. He told you to seek him while he may be found. Knock and the door will be answered. You know what I'm saying? That's what he said. So we're going to leave out here and some of you all still want some prayer. Come see these prayer workers. You know why? You know why I end service just like this dude right here? And I was so happy when I found this little video of this dude because that is literally like a silhouette of me. And I'm like, you know why I do that? Because that's what the Bible said for me to do. How are you going to get transformed? Sing, man. Memorize scripture. Pray. That's how you get transformed in his presence. That's how it doesn't get old. That's, that, that's why I'm still here, man. I could have told y'all, come to first service. The place was packed for first service. Almost 150 people. I could say, man, forget y'all. But we didn't have enough room. So I had to start a second service. Are you listening? And yet I still preach another hour, hour and a half. Why? Because I want it so bad. And there's some cult member we're supposed to have. I want to blow him up here in 30 minutes if he comes. Why? And then a life group. Why? Because I'd rather be in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. I'd rather be singing the praises of God than singing anything else. I'd rather be hearing his word than hearing anything else. Amen. Would you pray for us, sister? I know I put you on the spot, but you did good. You passed your Bible quiz. But as we get ready, I want you just to pray for him because you a nurse, you come pregnant, and you come hungry for Jesus. You lead us in worship every week, and it blesses me. And if it's just you and me, I'll come and do it. Amen? Do it. I'll preach, you sing. <laughs> we'll on, let yeah. Ricky and my wife come, though, but you know what I'm saying? We're a little weird, just you and me. Then Pastor will be getting rebuked, and then you come and rebuke me. And then you say, Pastor, why are you and Rachel hanging out all by yourself? You all ain't supposed to be doing that. When I first got saved, I saw a pastor hanging out with his secretary all the time. Every time I was with him, he's a man with a woman secretary. I'm like, what are you doing? I was only saved a few weeks. He ended up cheating on his wife with her. The first, that was my first pastor. The second pastor that I had after I got saved, the man went into severe depression and then di divorced his wife. And it was like God was telling me, man, you can't trust man. What you think they made of? They made of nothing but flesh and dirt. They're going to go there, you know what I'm saying? They're going to go right back to trust me. In my image in them. Amen? Oh, come on. I'll preach it all over again. Jesus, we thank you, Father God, that, Lord, we are new in you, Jesus, that we choose today and every day of our lives to put on the new self. God, I pray that we would surprise ourselves tomorrow morning. God, that we would wake up with such joy and excitement and power filled with the Holy Spirit. God, I just pray that this service would burn for you. God, that every person from the front to the back, God, that we would get such a passion for you, a passion to live for you, a passion, oh God, to get deeper in you, God. You are calling us to 
to more, God. And we say yes and amen to your promises. We say yes and amen, oh, Father, to all the words that you've spoken over our lives. I pray, oh, God, that we would ground deep in your word, deep in your presence, deep, oh, God, in the instruction, oh, God, of those over us, oh, God. And I pray, oh, God, that as we do that, that we would, God, show this city what's really real, that we would show this city that you are alive and well and you are working in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Slap your neighbor high five and say, put on the new you. It looks so much better on you. God bless you. We'll see you at life groups. Otherwise, come get prayer. But we're going to sing it, ain't we, girl? Come on. God bless you as you go.